2: This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanshul. Getting a food business off the ground can be incredibly challenging. And in a pandemic, the challenges have been compounded. But the last two years have also brought opportunities for new entrepreneurs to launch their ideas, and they're finding success. Today, where we live, we learn about food incubators, the local programs that help support new business owners, creating an entrepreneurial ecosystem to access funding, especially for women and people of color, a demographic typically overlooked by banks, private equity, and hedge funds. Coming up, we hear from Reset, a nonprofit business support organization in Hartford, and its food incubator program, and we talk to CitySeed in New Haven. And we want to hear from you. How are you supporting new food businesses where you live? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888 720 wmpr Share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. Now joining us first is a local food entrepreneur who learned to cook when she was eight years old in Jamaica. She opened her business right before COVID began in 2020. Gigi Lawrence joins us now on Zoom, master chef of Restaurant Caribbean-infused vegan cuisine. Gigi, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: First off, we love the name. So tell me about the catalyst. What made you decide to open up this business?
3: Well, Restaurant was launched January 2020 in the middle of COVID when um I always cook for friends and family. However, they always told me to open up a food truck. <laughs> so I decided to launch Restaurant um January 2020 when I was conceived with my son. Um and it was uphill from there.
2: Wow. So you you had a child and then you decided to open a restaurant.
3: I did. <laughs> I did not want to go back to um work in my nine to five. I just wanted, I decided to walk in my purpose and pursue my passion, which was cooking (laughs) and which I could do with my eyes closed. So it was the perfect time. Mm.
2: And so before you opened the restaurant, you decided that you wanted to leave the nine to five or tell me more about, you know, how you made this work for yourself.
3: So I started cooking for friends and family um, from home. And I used to always cook um, delicious, you know, vegan meals. And after starting that, I decided, you know what, time to take it up a notch, time to take it to the next level, which is when I decided to visit Hands-On Hartford, where I met Molly Reynolds um, and everything just blossomed from there. We started in the commercial kitchen and then we started doing farmers' markets, um, vegan festivals, events, and it just grew.
2: We'll be hearing from Molly Reynolds again from Hands on Hartford just a little bit later. But when we talk about the food that you were making for friends and family, uh, tell us about it. And again, how you scaled up uh, to make it for customers.
3: Right. So I transitioned to veganism in 2012. Um, In 2017, I went full vegan. And then I started making these delicious plant-based meals. What I did with Rastaurant is we used, I'm Jamaican, so we used a lot of jerk seasonings, a lot of curry, um, a lot of island spices to make the food more flavorful. A lot of people think vegan food is bland, boring, lettuce, salads. (laughs) So what I did was I made your regular foods, your mac and cheese, your Rasta pastas, and I put the plant-based delicious spin on that.
2: And your love of cooking that began as a child, Gigi?
3: It did. Um, I was eight years old when I first entered the kitchen. And I would always prepare meals for my father, who is the person that taught me how to cook. Um, I never went to culinary school. I learned cooking from him. And um we I would always prepare dinners for the family. At eight years old, we cook um, you know, your typical Jamaican meals, your jerk chicken, curry chicken. Um, the national dish, aki, saltfish, fish. Um, and I was the one, I was the chef at eight years old, growing up in Jamaica.
2: My mouth is watering here, (laughs) Gigi Lawrence, as we talk with her, a master chef of restaurant, Caribbean-infused vegan cuisine. Cuisine, Again, as we learn how local food incubators are helping food entrepreneurs like Gigi uh, begin and launch and and lead to success uh, in uh, the food world, which can be challenging. So when you're starting up a business, I imagine there's a lot of investment you have to make on the front end and so can you walk us through what did you need to start yeah
3: so starting up um you definitely need some type of capital to get going get the business going um as far as your groceries and um so what helped with restaurant what helped get us to the next level was when i started at hands on hartford um i got a grant thanks to molly reynolds And that helped offset some of the costs as far as, um, working in a kitchen, right? Because in a kitchen, you have to do the kitchen rentals and working at hands on Hartford, it was a shared space. So they pretty much provided everything you need. You have your ovens, you have, um, your pots, your pans. So it's not like you have to go out and purchase any of that. Um, so that helped me go to the next level. Um, and you know, we don't have a food truck right now. We are working on it, but we do have a ten by ten booth set up. So we set up at every event, and that's also an investment. You have to buy your tents, your tables, your you know all your equipment you need to display to the public. Um, however, like I said, um, hands on Hartford definitely helped take me to the next level.
2: Mm-hmm. How much would you say you've saved when you think about not having to pay for the renting the kitchen and the equipment and now even the food truck?
3: Oh, wow. <laughs> so for the past three months, I would say I saved at least $3,000.
2: That's a lot of money. And, yeah. <laughs> and how do the customers respond when they see you where you're doing, again, Caribbean infused right. vegan cuisine?
3: Right. So I get a lot of, thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are the only plant-based vendor right now in, um, Dillon Stadium, where they play the soccer games for the Hartford Athletic. So we are the only plant-based vendor. So I get a lot of vegetarians and vegans who don't really have much options when they go out and they have these delicious meals. You know, I cook your, your sweet heat meatballs, which is sweet and spicy meatballs. I cook the curry chickpeas and potatoes, the Rasta pasta, which is a customer favorite, so instead of just serving up salads, you know, for your vegans, vegetarians, or veg curious friends, we have these other amazing options. So I get a lot of thank you for being here. <laughs> We're so happy you're here, which which makes my day, you know, I'm happy to be there. That's why we do. That's why a does what it does.
2: For people who aren't vegan or vegetarian, are they also, uh, you know, heading over uh, to to you to even try some of your cuisine? And what are their questions? They
3: are heading over. Um, (laughs) So I'm I'm working on transitioning a lot of of customers who always wanted to, you know, try vegetarian or vegan options. Um, A lot of questions from them is, um, I get a lot of gluten-free. Are the meals gluten-free? you know, what you put in the meals. (laughs) And I'm like, the cookbook is coming. Um, We're going to eventually do cooking lessons for the public. So that's coming. That's in the works. But they, um, a lot of their reactions, the Veg Curious friends are, this is amazing. This can't be vegan. What else is in it? (laughs) So that's exciting.
2: Mm -hmm. And when you think about the, the plant based meat, um, you know, that's as a food trend. And so thinking about, uh, again, how people are, you mentioned, Veg Curious, this is a good time uh, to launch a business like yours.
3: Absolutely. It's a, it's a demand for it right now. There's not a lot of vegan options out there that's, you know, in Connecticut, especially, you know, I know we have two other vegan spots, but if I can definitely put a restaurant on the map. As far as another option for the customers, that would be great.
2: We'd love to hear from listeners about how you're supporting new food businesses where you live. Our number, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. And so when we think about some of the investment, uh, the the money that you've saved, you've also had to put in some of your money uh, to, to make this business uh, flourish. I'm wondering if you can share that and, and how you're doing today.
3: Yeah, so starting off, you have to make sure you're licensed. So licensing is um, one aspect of the business. You have to make sure you have your um, food handlers permit. You have to make sure um, you pay for events. So a lot of events you have to pay up front or you do a commission based and um, overall paying for those events up front. You're going to you're looking at $5,000 off the back. Um, But it's doable. You know, you take it one step at a time. You slowly purchase your equipment and everything falls into place. You just have to keep going. You can't stop.
2: And so what are your plans for restaurant? Are you hoping a restaurant, I should say, are you hoping to (laughs) hire staff and, you know, who's helping you?
3: Yes. Right now we are in the process of hiring. Um, We are looking to hire at least five staff by the end of the summer. Um, Right now, my fiance is helping me. He does most of the events. I cook and he goes and he does the events. Um, But for restaurants, I see us in schools. I want to tap in with the youth. I want to teach the youth, the youth are or future. So if they know how to prepare delicious vegan meals that are healthy and fun and exciting, then the future is golden. Mm -hmm. So definitely want to get into schools.
2: I think I hear your little one in the background. What is it? What's it like for you? Uh, you know, again, raising your first child and seeing your business grow, Gigi. So I always
3: wanted twins. And what the universe did was give me a baby and a business. <laughs> so I'm raising them at the same time. They, I feel like they both launched at the same time. You know restaurant started january 2020 but we i gave birth to both of them um january 2021 Mm -hmm. so it's it's um it's a challenge but it's doable you just have to stay self-motivated um and you have to find a support system you know it takes a village they say it takes a village and it definitely does
2: Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned Hands On Hartford, you got a grant from them, you incubated your business at Reset, we'll be hearing from them coming up, you also are at the City Seed Farmers Market among others, we're also going to be hearing from them, and so when we think about this uh, this ecosystem that's needed to support business owners like yourself, I'm wondering if you can talk more about that, and what more uh, could be done to help people like you?
3: Um, so definitely, definitely the funding helps. The grants help. Um, City Seed is an amazing market. You know, as far as you don't have to pay up front, but there is a, a commission based. You know, depend on sales, so that definitely helps. Um, the shared kitchen space definitely helps. Um, you know, and any other way that people could think of, like coming together as a community, you know, reaching out to different entrepreneurs, you know, offering services would be amazing.
2: Can you tell us a little bit more about what you offer on your menu uh, for those of yeah. us that are heading out to <laughs> farmer's markets this summer, Gigi?
3: Yes. So on our menu is our signature cold Rasta pasta that has your onions, your peppers, your tomatoes. Um, and we top it off with a creamy chickpea sauce. So that's the customer favorite, especially in the summertime. It's like ice cream, but food is what I always say. So we have that we have our sweet heat meatballs, which is our sweet and spicy meatballs, sweet with a little heat. And that's, um, that's infused with our jerk seasoning. So that's the Caribbean infusion um, and or chickpeas and potatoes, which is our gluten free item. That is our curry chickpeas paired with potatoes. And we use the curry as the island spi- spice. Mm. We also have or don't be a jerk bowl which is or jerk top (laughs) jerk (laughs) or jerk crumbles with or black beans, corn, lettuce, rice, tomatoes, um, vegan cheese. And we top it with our tray based sauce, which I named after my son. It's sweet with a little heat.
2: So Gigi, we have someone calling in from the north, the northwest corner of the state. Victoria, what did you want to share? Hey, good morning, Gigi. This is Victoria Criscow. You just catered an
0: amazing meal at the aerospace school for about 27 young people. Remember, you were just there last week, Mr. Gable Boyd brought you in. And the young people loved the food. That breakfast was incredible.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to cater to the youth and school. I love what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for having (laughs) me.
2: Thank you, Victoria.
0: So thank you for having Gigi on. We love that food. Awesome.
2: Have a good day. You got a lot of fans out there, Gigi. My yogurt this morning is not cutting it.
0: <laughs> but I want
2: to, I want to thank you for coming on to tell us, you know, what it took for you to start your business uh, again in the pandemic. Especially, we're hearing a lot of people are pivoting or thinking about a side hustle mm-hmm. to help them uh, through the last two and a half years. For those that are listening who may not yet have launched, what do you want to leave them with?
3: So, don't be afraid to take the jump. You know, take that dive. It's all going to work out. Your gift will always make room for you. They say the two most important days are the day you're born and the day you find out why. So once you find your why, you'll find your purpose and it will lead you into your passion.
2: <laughs> Gigi Lawrence again, Master Chef of Restaurant Caribbean infused vegan cuisine. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up we're going to learn about more about the programs I just mentioned, Reset, City Seat in New Haven and Hands on Hartford. Have you received help launching your food business? You can join us 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live.
3: I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect
4: with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health.
2: This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucina nall What food businesses do you support where you live? You can join us, 888 720 9677, that's 888-720-WNPR, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Today, we're learning about local programs in Connecticut that are helping entrepreneurs launch and find success. Reset in Hartford, a nonprofit business support organization, has a food incubator program that started in 2019. It prioritizes Hartford residents and businesses owned by women and people of color, one of Reset's graduates is pastry chef Kim Huang Wood, owner and baker of Le Bon Patisserie in Simsbury. Here she is talking to Connecticut Public Show Seasoned back in twenty twenty.
4: I have always have been uh, fascinated with French desserts and cuisine. I don't know if you know, but the little a little bit of history of Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam was colonized by the French, and so a lot of our cuisine, Vietnamese cuisines, are French based even our pho is popular. And it's kind of derived from French cuisine because of the mirepoix that we put into our broth. So I am Im- my family and I immigrated over here when I was three. So growing up here in America, having Vietnamese English as my second you know, language, um, my parents always instilled Vietnamese language cuisines and everything in us and my siblings. And so I just grew up eating Vietnamese food and growing up, you know, I love uh, French. The language is beautiful (laughs) and the desserts are amazing. So I want to go toward the French side and uh, include my
5: heritage with it.
2: Joining us now with more on Reset is Sarah Bodley, who's the executive director. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So, we heard from Kim Huang Wood, who's uh, doing great things. I believe she just opened a storefront in Simsbury just a few months ago. And uh, so, I'm, t- I'm wanting you to talk more about how you're helping uh, people like Kim start up and find success.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, well, Reset, really, we, we work with entrepreneurs along a spectrum of growth. Our, our mission and focus is on supporting social enterprise companies, which by that we really mean folks that are thinking not only about profit, but also about creating a positive mark on the world in some way. Um, and so we, we really pride ourselves on our ability to kind of meet folks wherever they are in that journey. Um, and so, you know, Kim, Gigi, so many of the entrepreneurs that we work with come with a, come to us really with an idea for a business. Um, and we're here to kind of support them in figuring out what's the right business model for that, what's the right size and scope for you as a human to, you know, create the lifestyle that you want, to create the impact that you want um, as you grow. And so, you know, we're, we're here today, obviously, talking a lot about our food business work, which we do through our food incubator in partnership with so many other amazing organizations throughout hartford and throughout the state Um, but we also do work with entrepreneurs in an impact accelerator program we have a retail incubator program um you know again really all about just
2: trying to make the right connection at the right time for the person that comes to us i mentioned the food incubator program at reset began in 2019 so what was the catalyst you know my understanding you know starting up in the food industry it's hard Mm -hmm.
5: Absolutely. So um, it's interesting, you know, we really began this relatively organically. Um, We happen to be, we're located in the Parkville neighborhood of Hartford and right across the street from Hands on Hartford. So you're going to be hearing from Molly again a little bit later. Um, but Reset, Hands on Hartford, another one of our partners, Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner, who runs the No Good Market right outside of our door, um, kind of began these conversations in uh, probably before 2019, really, because we saw collectively that there was already a lot of a need for uh, more support for food businesses. And um, between us, we were already, uh, we already had a lot of what we needed. Um, and we saw a real opportunity to work together. So Reset provides the technical business support, you know, the coaching, the mentorship, um, a huge network of of just incredible supports, uh, access to, you know, legal advice and different things. Hands on Hartford, of course, you'll hear all about uh, with the Shared Use Community Kitchen. And now since that time, we've really grown. So we've actually established uh, the Hartford Culinary Collaborative, which is now made up of Uh, Reset and six other organizations, including uh, the Swift factory in the north end of Hartford, the Parkville Market right across the street from us, Forge City Works, uh, Knox, the Farm Incubator Program, and uh, uh, the others that I've already mentioned. So it's been really exciting to basically take what was already here in Hartford and just get really intentional about how we're working together to build that ecosystem. And I'll mention there are many other partners also in the food space in Hartford, who we also work with in, in partnership in different ways, and certainly are always like referring our clients to whatever's the best fit for them at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this collaborative, has been really powerful because it allows us to just do what we already do, but better and really make those connections.
2: So all of this was coming together before twenty nineteen. And then the pandemic happened. And so I'm just wondering how you can how you um, can t- describe for us, you know what that was like, including the selection process of so many mm. people that were thinking, now's the time to pivot.
5: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. so we've actually seen a continued increase in interest in these programs, which I think says a lot. Uh, I think there's, you know, a variety of reasons, some folks that are, To Gigi's point earlier, you know, finding their why and thinking maybe this is the moment for my passion project to become my life. Um, And so it's been really uh, heartening actually to see that despite all of these challenges and so many restaurants sadly closing during this time, that we also see a real interest and a desire to start new things. Um, And so, you know, in the last two years, we've certainly, uh, we did have to pivot. Our programs are now. operating mostly virtually at this point, although we were really excited to come back to some live engagement this year with our, we had a foodie demo day about a month ago. Um, Gigi took first prize at that, by the way, which is really exciting. And so it was great to actually be able to taste the food and, and be out and about. Um, but, you know, even with that, the entrepreneurs that we're working with are are still building, you know, they're able to ramp up and they're, they're pivoting as well. I think one of the big things we've seen is a real, um, increased focus on the need for digital marketing uh it's not really enough anymore for any food business to just have a storefront because you can't count on that foot traffic that that you could have before the pandemic and so we've really you know uh, adjusted our some of our programs to make sure that we're really providing that kind of support that allows them to, at minimum, have you know a solid social media presence, but ideally, a place where folks can come and order online to make sure that they're actually able to capture the sales that they need.
2: You're hearing Sarah Bodley, again, Executive Director of Reset in Hartford, uh, here on where we live. So tell us, uh, since the program started, you know, you know, how many people have gone through your program? And again, what is the selection process like?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so we've had a, uh, about 65 businesses have completed this particular food
5: incubator program since 2019. Um, the selection is a bit competitive. Unfortunately, we can only uh, accommodate, we, we're very intentionally uh, built this as a cohort-based program so that they're together. Once you're selected for this program, you are committing to a 12-week period where you're meeting weekly with the same group of entrepreneurs. You really get to know the other people in the cohort. Um, and you know that's very much on purpose. You heard Gigi talk about that need for kind of a social network. Um, and we've seen that pay off in a lot of different ways. But so in terms of getting into this program, there's an application process. We, uh, at this point, we're actually now able to do um, uh, interviews as well as reviewing the application. We have an advisory board that also helps us make that selection because we certainly want to be as unbiased as we can and recognize there might be brand new ideas that look a little different than what we've seen before. And so um, we we it's about a three-step process to even narrow down to that final group. Um, and then we do ask for, it's a solid commitment. The program is free to participate in, thanks to a lot of generous funders and supporters, Um, but we are asking for a solid commitment from the folks that participate to, you know, it's not a drop in as you have time. This is really, uh, we want to know that the time is right for our participants to to invest as much time as, as they need to in their business, really. I mean, you know, the class is a mechanism for spending more time dedicated to your business.
2: Again, you can join us, 888-720-9677, as we learn about food incubator programs in our state, helping food entrepreneurs launch and and find success. When I talk about success, uh, as you're following these entrepreneurs who've gone through your program, Sarah, how many of them are are still in business today? How are they doing? Absolutely. So... Just
5: zooming in, actually, on the last two years alone, so kind of the the peak COVID years, um, I can tell you that eighteen out of twenty six are still in business and are really ramping up right now. They that might mean that they're moving from a cottage food license into a commercial kitchen. Uh, we've had a few that have obtained a food truck or are now slotted into more farmers markets or pop ups and are you know consistently selling out. Um, and I'll add to that too. You know, I think we we are really proud that. Um, to, looking at, you know, the national averages, uh, it's it's tough to survive in business. We know this, this is, you know, just a fact of life that about, you know, 77 to 80% of businesses don't get past their first year. And I can tell you our overall alumni pool at Reset, and this includes, you know, all of our programs for those that are responding to our surveys every year and everything, we can tell you that uh, closer to 90% of our businesses do get well beyond that first year. Um, and sometimes those that don't continue in the business. It's, it's, we count as a win. If somebody makes the informed decision to hit pause, if that's what they need right now. So, um, it's, you know, there's some nuance there because, um, it it doesn't necessarily mean failure if they're not still in business. Um, and, and in some cases, you know, in the last two years, especially we've had folks that have needed to take a full time job because they need the benefits. They need to support their family and it's that tricky growth stage. Um, but, uh, But so, yes, we're really we're proud to to say that uh, we have such a fairly good track record, I would say, compared to the averages.
2: And earlier I mentioned that your program prioritizes Hartford and also women and people of color. And so when we think about these demographics, uh, when they're looking for uh, capital help, uh, they're not getting it from the traditional um, senses in terms of banks or even uh, other funds. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, funding is tough and
5: and the food industry is very capital intensive, as you heard from Gigi as well. Um, You know, so we we have money flowing in a few different ways just directly. And at this point, we were actually really grateful this year to be able to um, to fund slightly larger grants going right out to the participants in our incubator program, um, and that was thanks to a, a generous contribution from from one donor. Um, and so we were able to give out a total of about seventy five hundred to our whole you know collective group of, of foodies this year. Um, and but besides that, you know I know you'll hear more about some of the subsidies that are available through Hands On Hartford, as as Gigi mentioned. So you know we also do try to look for opportunities to help them um, offset some of those expenses. And that's where, you know, the shared use kitchen spaces, the the private commercial kitchens, um, like at, that's the Swift factory where it's not necessarily a, a brick and mortar sit down restaurant, but it allows businesses to begin to scale up with a little bit um, less risky investment. Um, and outside of that, we also, it's, it's so important, you know, going back to that ecosystem point that we have partnerships and, uh, you know, throughout the region to folks like Headco. I'll give you one quick example. Actually, um, last week we had a pitch competition with our, uh, Uh, another one of our programs, our Impact Accelerator. And a business mentioned afterwards, she had started a loan application process with HEDCO a few months back, put it on hold because she wasn't really feeling ready for that. And after the event, turns out the loan officer that she had been working with previously was in the audience that night and came up to her afterward and said, Hey, I see what you're doing. Let's continue this conversation. I understand it. And I want to work with you to make this happen. So, you know, those relationships in that community is really essential to us. So even if we're not directly able to give the you know tens of thousands of dollars that uh, we would love to be able to at this stage, we are able to then make those connections and make sure really that our entrepreneurs feel confident and have what they need to walk into those rooms. It's really tough to you know face sit across the table from a, a lender if you've never been in that situation before. And we really want to make sure that our our businesses all understand and, and, you know, can feel really empowered to um, own their business. They know what they're talking about, but sometimes just that little bit of extra support and training and coaching to how do you have that conversation can go a long way.
2: We're learning about local programs to help food entrepreneurs in Connecticut here on Where We Live. Joining us now on Zoom is Courtney Renton, Executive Director of City Seed in New Haven. Now, City Seed's is a nonprofit that runs the city's farmers markets, but its mission also supports Economic and Community Development too. Courtney, welcome to our show. Hi, good morning, Lucy. This is an exciting time. I understand City Seed just won a a large federal grant. So tell us how you're going to be using that money to help food entrepreneurs in New Haven.
1: Yes, it's been a big week for City Seed and a lot of our partners. Um, We were really thrilled last week to um, receive word that we had been granted an America's Healthy Food Financing Initiative grant through the USDA That's going to be supporting a partnership we've been working on for the last year or so with LEAP and with the Q House in the Dixwell neighborhood of New Haven. So that's going to be supporting um, a new farmers market location in Dixwell, which just kicked off last Wednesday and will be every Wednesday afternoon through the summer, um, as well as entrepreneurship program, programming and services at the kitchen at the Q House. So we're really thrilled about this grant and the opportunity to to scale up, level up our capacity, be able to serve more entrepreneurs there, both with physical infrastructure through kitchens, as has been mentioned here, as an important resource and often a barrier, as well as programming, one-on-one advising, and workshops for folks who are interested in entrepreneurship.
2: And when did City Seed start incubating food businesses? You see a lot of demand, especially in the pandemic
1: yes we so city seed's been around since 2004 most people know us for running the city's farmers markets um so we've been having food businesses as a part of our markets for quite a long time but in about 2017 is when we um really put some some structure around that created a program and realized some of the trends we were seeing of folks who were coming to bend at our markets also needing support with licensing permitting health department, um, navigating the health department, having commercial kitchen space. So um, that's when we created what we call our City Seed Incubates programming, um, which is really designed to meet those needs and reduce barriers for folks who want to start food businesses.
2: And who do you focus on to invest?
1: Yeah, we have a real mix of uh, ventures who come to us. So we get um, catering businesses, mobile vendors, um, because our roots are in in, in agriculture and as a farmer's market, we also get farmers and producers who want to manufacture value-added products from their farms, Um, chefs who want to create a new product line. Um, So a real mix of different types of food businesses that need different types of support and resources depending on the stage they're at, as Sarah mentioned, but then also the type of um, business and model that they're pursuing.
2: We've heard some success stories already on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the food entrepreneurs you're working with and, you know, what they launched?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, well, you already heard from Gigi, who is a vendor at City Seeds Markets and has been incredibly successful and a really fun addition to the markets this year. Um, Another success story I want to give a shout out to is Oshito which is a Ghanaian pepper sauce and hot sauce company founded by Kwame Asare that's really taken off. They went through City Seeds Food Business Accelerator Program that we run in partnership with Collab. That's an entrepreneurship organization here in New Haven. And from there have just seen a lot of exciting growth. Um, They've been a vendor at our farmer's market. Um, Another service that City Seed provides is connecting ventures with farmers so that they can incorporate locally grown ingredients into their products. So that's something that Oshito has been able to do. And then another um, kind of piece of the pipeline that we're working on building out is for entrepreneurs, especially food products, that are seeing this next stage of growth and, and getting into co-packing and wanting to be on shelves in supermarkets, kind of navigating some of those barriers and, and the infrastructure needs there. So. Oshito has also been working with our partners at the Atticus CT Food Launchpad, who's been helping them um, get into Stop and Shop and some other markets around the state and the region. So you can now look out for that Ghanaian pepper sauce on on shelves in stores. Mm.
2: You know, what I, one of the stories that I love out of New Haven and what you're involved with uh, when we think about the entrepreneurs who need a little help uh, at the start, a Sanctuary Kitchen, which, been, which has been going on now for several years. Tell our listeners about uh, this initiative.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Sanctuary Kitchen is another program of City Seed, and I know has been on your show before, Lucy. Um, It is a a program that also started around 2017 that partners with refugee and immigrants to build economic opportunity, intercultural understanding, authentic connections through food. So we um, sort of run it like our own uh, social enterprise in-house within City Seed, um, where we provide culinary training, culinary ESL, language skills, professional Culinary skills and then run the food business as well and provide training in, in how to do that. So, we have had, um, I think, 43 chefs from 11 countries around the world over the years. Um, and that food is available uh, for curbside pickup from Sanctuary Kitchen at farmers markets around um, New Haven and, and the North Shore area and then some retail partners as well.
2: You know, hearing from you and also Sarah, it sounds like there's a lot uh, that's working uh, right. But I'm wondering if you can talk about, you know, what more uh, you'd like to see in terms of support or, or really how to continue to, to help people launch these businesses.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as Sarah mentioned, um, we've also seen a huge demand increase for our food entrepreneurship services over the last two years. I think similarly, you know, folks making life decisions um, to pivot to something that they're passionate about, like we heard from Gigi. Um, Also a lot of of people who left the restaurant industry during COVID as restaurants were suffering. Um, So we've seen an increase in uh, demand for a commercial kitchen by about 160%, I think, in renters um, using that space. And then we've also just had um, a lot more kind of one-on-one time with entrepreneurs. We were really fortunate to hire a new food entrepreneurship program manager um, about two years ago named Kara Santino, who has expanded our, our services and programs and has developed a really um, comprehensive kind of intake process so that anyone who comes to us with their business idea or wanting to engage um, in our programs is able to sit down and talk with her and understand exactly um, kind of what steps to take and where to go from here. So I think we're personally in a position where we're um, really trying to build our, our staff capacity so that we can serve more entrepreneurs and run more programs. And then um, you know shared use commercial kitchen space continues to be kind of the big barrier for us here in New Haven and something that we're we're working on. We have a couple kitchens around the city that we're, we're renting out now but really uh, kind of bumping up against our capacity there and so we have some grand plans in the works um, to be able to offer a much larger scale commercial kitchen space to entrepreneurs here in New Haven.
2: Again that's Courtney Renton, executive director of city seat in New Haven. Thank you Courtney for coming on the show. Great to be here. Thanks, Lucy. Also with us, Sarah Bodley, Executive Director of Reset. Thank you, Sarah, for talking about your programs and and helping our listeners learn more as well. Thank you, Lucy. Great to be here. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. Coming up, we heard Courtney mention shared kitchen space. We hear from another nonprofit that serves economically challenged residents in the areas of food, housing and health and has a shared kitchen space. Raleigh, Molly Reynolds from Hands on Hartford joins us after a short break. You can join us too. find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're learning about local programs to help food entrepreneurs with their businesses. Joining us now on Zoom, Molly Reynolds, the shared kitchen and cafe manager of Hands on Hartford. This is a nonprofit that serves Hartford's most economically challenged residents in the areas of food, housing and health. Molly, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks. Glad to be here.
2: So we heard from the previous guests, a shared kitchen program is vital. So tell us about how your program works.
0: Um, yeah, so we have had a shared kitchen program at Hands-On Hartford since 2017. Um, people join our kitchen on an annual basis. It's it's a membership model. Um, and then you pay an hourly rate for the time you're using the kitchen. We also have... Um, Shelf storage available, freezer, fridge and dry storage, which is really important to um, beginning businesses. They all um, need a place to store their items um, and um, by regulation, they need to be stored in your commercial kitchen
2: we heard from Gigi Lawrence earlier in the show talking about how you know having to rent space can be expensive and so I'm wondering if you can talk more about you know how even paying the smaller fee you know is a a great um, initiative for those who are just starting out
0: yeah so when you come to a shared kitchen at least our shared kitchen it's fully equipped so you don't have that initial capital outlay of buying equipment or even pots and pans, um, which are, it's very expensive. Um, we've been really lucky too um, over the past few years to develop some funding partners. So um, we are often able to help support our members, especially the very new ones who haven't developed a stream of um, revenue yet to, to get themselves launched.
2: Can you describe the scene more for us? You know, How many chefs you have
0: right now using that space? Uh, So we currently have 42 members, Mm -hmm. um, which sounds like, oh, my gosh, how do they all fit? (laughs) Our our kitchen is open 24-7. So a lot of times people who are starting food businesses, this can be a side hustle. So actually having that access at odd hours really helps them. Um, So people reserve a slot ahead of time. Um, So sometimes it's not available exactly when you want it and you have to figure out another time to come. We have also just uh, launched a brand new endeavor um, at hands on Hartford called gather 55, which is a pay what you can cafe. So we have our own use now from um, for breakfast and lunchtime on Mondays through Thursdays, Mm -hmm. but we amazingly enough, always figure out a way to um, create space for people.
2: Yeah, I love hearing that pay what you can cafe. And I I believe it's going to launch this fall. So describe that more for our listeners, uh, for people uh, who may not be familiar with this model.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we have had for 40 years a community meals program, which has fed people. We used to be uh, in downtown Hartford at Church Street that closed during the pandemic. Um, at our location in Parkville, we used to have a cafe, which also closed during the pandemic. And we decided to reopen them in a uh, new and exciting way. So we actually are open for breakfast and lunch right now. We're okay. sort of in our soft opening phase. So people can come and pay a suggested price or they can make a donation for the meal. Or they can um, if they're not able to pay that day, there's no expectation that they would. In the fall, we are opening, uh, in partnership with Chef Tyler Anderson, a um, a different model It's going to be kind of a, a fancier meal. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be a prefix menu, and we'll have a guest chef each month preparing um, the meal. It's reservation only, and a certain number of slots uh, will be reserved for folks who are not able to pay for the meal. Mm-hmm. We really want to build community, Mm -hmm. so we want to um, create a space where everyone can dine regardless of... Um, their ability to pay for a meal. Mm.
2: You mentioned Chef Tyler Anderson. That's uh, where he owns and a millwrights in Simsbury. And so this will be a rotating uh, chef uh, selection uh, with this uh, community. cafe. Mm Yes.
0: Turns out Tyler's very well connected and has (laughs) lots of chef friends. So he is inviting his friends to participate one a month. So they will design a menu for the month and, um, We'll let people know well in advance. So it's something you can come back to every month.
2: Mm. Getting back to the Pay What You Can Cafe, when we think about this model, you know, uh, bringing this here uh, to Hartford, can you talk about where else this is done and, and the success that it's seen?
0: Yeah. So there actually is a, a movement uh, through a lot of the country for community cafes that they're really the blank spot on the map is New England that doesn't exist much here. Um, But we've been working with partners in Denver, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, there's a famous one in New Jersey that John Bon Jovi started, which we've um, visited with them. So we're learning from people who've already done this successfully.
2: And you find a way to make it work. I understand the wait staff will be hands-on Hartford employees.
0: A lot of volunteers. <laughs> okay. We like to say that this is a community of diners, donors, and doers. And the doers are the volunteers. We absolutely need um a big community of volunteers to make this
2: work. Mm. Getting back to the shared kitchen space and, you know, the costs it would uh, take for someone to afford this, if they didn't have this type of program available, there are also grants uh, to help them if they may even have trouble paying that membership fee.
0: Yes. So, and we're fortunate to have both um, some government funding. The biggest one is the community development block grant, which is, Federal funds through the city of Hartford. We also have um, two great foundation corporate partners: Pratt and Whitney and the Farmington Savings Bank Foundation. And Pratt and Whitney, their grant is specifically for women entrepreneurs.
2: And for those who are listening, who uh, are interested or may know someone that might be interested in these programs, you know, what do they need uh, to, to start? How do you, what would you advise? So to get them?
0: started, and, and we really do see people who are very much in the ideation phase of their business. You know, often they, they have a passion for their, uh, their product, but not a lot of experience or capital. Um, so when people come to us, they do need to have a Serve Safe certification Sometimes we can help people with that cost. That's to be a safe uh, user and and preparer of food. Um, They need business liability insurance. And um, after that, we can kind of help connect them to the rest.
2: Well, it's great to hear that there's all this support in the community uh, for new food entrepreneurs, especially with the uh, demand uh, growing in the pandemic. Uh, Molly, what did you want to leave our listeners with as we think about this ecosystem that's needed to support entrepreneurs?
0: Um, I think Hartford actually is doing surprisingly well. Um, I uh, Just from the partners that we work with, and Sarah's one of them, um, you know, we. We're a small enough city that we can really get to know the entrepreneurs. If they can um, connect with one of the partners in the culinary collaborative that Sarah mentioned earlier, um, we are able to immediately say, oh, you should really talk to um, so-and-so over at Fort City Works. Or, um, so we, we, our resource, resource and referral um, network is very strong.
2: That's Molly Reynolds, shared kitchen and cafe manager at Hands On Hartford, again, a nonprofit that serves Hartford's most economically challenged residents in the areas of food, housing, and health. What a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks, Molly, for your time. Thanks for having me. I'm Lucy Nalpathanshul. Today's show produced by Sujatha Srinivasan. Our technical director is Kat Pastor. Now, coming up tomorrow, a New Haven resident was recently injured while in police custody and could be permanently paralyzed On the next Where We Live, we hear from New Haven independent reporter Tom Green and Breen, rather. And we hear from New Haven Mayor Justin Elliker and assistant police chief Carl Jacobson. That's the mayor's nominee to become chief of police. We hope you join us for that conversation tomorrow.